Bitcoin's down like uh, over 20%, like 25%, something like that. Yeah. Like people yeah, yeah. saying it's over. I mean, like, look, I am no trader and you, you don't get trading advice on, on Bankless, at least not good advice. That's not why you're tuning in, in uh, every week. But like, this one is so easy to freaking call, David. This is David. so easy. The, the so answer dumb. to the question is, is it over yet? Have we topped? The answer to that question, let me give it to you. Bankless Nation, it is the last Friday of January, and it is weekly roll-up time. We're going to talk about a few things. Uh, first, though, not to sugarcoat this, Bitcoin is down on the week. Big. All right, we'll, Down big. We'll give you the numbers, but the question is, is the bull market over? And I think to answer that, we got to answer the question, when will Grayscale's BTC ETF, the new Bitcoin ETF, when will it stop selling? It seems to be a source of the trouble here. What yeah, else we got, curse of, uh, The curse of Barry Silbert still among us. <laughs> After that, we're going to talk about some more exciting things. We're going to talk about restaking summer, what it is, what's going on, what are ple people doing and why it's a big deal. And then we're also going to talk about how 10% of Ethereum went down. 10% of the Ethereum network start, stopped producing blocks. Um, but the network as a whole, doing just fine. That's why we have multiple clients. But Ryan, have you ever thought about what if 80% of the network went down? Because a lot of only, people have been thinking about that later, lately. Only in my waking nightmares, David. That's the only time I ever think about that. Um, but I think we as a community have to think about it. So we'll talk mm -hmm. about that. And also, the Tornado Cash developers, David, Roman and Alexi, they're getting ready for their trials. I think this Oof. is going to be an absolutely massive one. court case. So we'll give you an update on that. But David, before we get in, a little uh, self-shill that we don't often do, and uh, that is talking about bankless citizenship. So that is the the paid membership mm -hmm. to the Bankless Nation, and that is available to anyone who is listening. We actually have a discount code that we'll give you in just a minute, but we have added over 1,000 new citizens, that is new members, in the last two weeks. Uh, tell people a bit about the benefits. I, I feel like a big reason people are flocking to this uh, to this opportunity is because of what we have here, the airdrop hunter. I think we're looking at this on mm -hmm. screen. Uh, testimonial from the Bankless community. Uh, that was such an unexpected massive airdrop. I think for the first time this year, I'm actually going to buy myself something. Christmas <laughs> uh, is a comment. Another comment, yeah, my airdrop is now worth $35,000. At times like this, this is really... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is really an opportunity to kind of like um, you know, do things on chain and get rewarded mm -hmm. for those things. And the airdrop hunter with Bankless allows folks to do it. Anytime that an airdrop goes out, one of them went out this week, we're going to talk about it, and you didn't get it, it was probably in the Bankless airdrop hunter. That's definitely been the, the hottest product that people are looking for. Uh, it's why we've had a thousand new citizens sign up in the last week. But if you're a podcast listener, there's, of course, exclusive episodes and ad-free episodes, like the one you're listening to right now, but without ads on the Bankless premium feed. There's a bunch of other things. You can come hang out with us in the Discord, and you can go into in real life bankless events like the ah. one that we're doing at ETH Denver. So this is a call to action for all bankless citizens if you are listening to this on the ad-free premium feed. Uh, Wednesday, February 28th, mark your calendars. There is a link in the Citizens Discord where we're all chatting, hanging out, uh, for you to come to our meetup at East Denver. This is only available to Bankless Citizens and previous podcast guests that I'm slipping the link to. Uh, and so if you want to go hang out, free beer, said brewery, uh, same brewery as <laughs> last year. Um, free beer, free beer, free beer, free beer. Uh we Fear. almost missed this as well. The the code to get a 10% discount oh, yes. is podcast24. So you can go use that at bankless.com slash join. That's podcast24. All right, David, let's get to the bad news, man. Markets, Bitcoin is down, and I think it's down in the double digits. Is that what you're about to tell me? 
Uh, no, that would be Ether. Bitcoin only down six point five percent this week. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Started the week at forty two thousand and a half dollars, ending the week at thirty nine thousand eight hundred dollars. The big question: uh, Why is it so down? Uh, I think the very simple answer was it was a sell the news event, but that answer yeah. actually can get more and more sophisticated. Um, Grayscale, everyone's looking at Grayscale and Barry Silbert. So Grayscale sent over $1 billion of Bitcoin to Coinbase uh, to dump. That's what you do when you send Bitcoin to Coinbase. Uh, since the launch of the ETFs at large, since the, the GBTC trust was converted to an ETF, it's sent over over $3 billion of Bitcoin. Uh, a, the uh, other Bitcoin ETFs, the, uh, the, the BlackRock ones, Fidelity ones, the, um, the Bitwise ones, have absorbed a pretty good amount of Bitcoin. So there's been buying pressure from those, but it's hard to ignore the absolute gargantuan sell pressure that Grayscale has presented to the market. Um, Grayscale currently holds over half a million Bitcoins, that's $20 billion. Uh, people are just waking up to the 20%, uh, the 1.5% fees that uh, the GPTC is charging. But uh, there's been speculation that there's actually not very much conversion from GPTC to other Bitcoin ETFs. Uh, Nick Carter, I think, put out just like kind of a uh, ad hoc number of like 20 to 30% conversions where other people are just selling. Um, selling, they're, they're just trying to get out. They're finally recapitalized after the Bitcoin pr uh, discount has been in the GPTC trust for so long that people are just hitting that sell button and they're getting out. Yeah, you know how sometimes it's sell the news and it's just like, that's the narrative? Well, this is mm -hmm. actual like outflows. This is actual yeah, uh -huh. selling of Bitcoin that I think explains a lot of the, what, down 6.5% this week. And like right. last week, I think we were in the double digits down for Bitcoin, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, about 1 billion. It peaked of out. Bitcoin Bitcoin peaked Bitcoin peaked out at $49,000 and we are currently yeah. at $39,000, which, you know, pretty yeah. big, pretty big fall off. It's a, it's a big explainer. This is Matt Hogan here that says, this is not strictly speaking ETF-led sell-off. The ETFs are net buyers of Bitcoin. That includes mm -hmm. Grayscale. This is an ETF expectations-led sell-off. The market front-ran the ETF approval by piling to both spot Bitcoin and Bitcoin derivatives. It is now expected larger net uh, flows into ETFs than we've gotten so far and is now unwinding that bet. Oh, that's that's what he's saying. There's a bit yeah, of an so there's, there's a diversity of opinions about like what's going on here. Matt, Matt is just saying the industry really uh, placed bets on this being a massive buy the news event. And it was actually a sell the news event. Here's Van Spencer who says, my two cent guess on GPT flows is that very little of the outflows have been recycled into new ETFs. Uh, this was Van's prediction, maybe 20 to 30%. I would think Grayscale and FTX are probably sellers in the neighborhood of $1 billion each, not recycling. That is 50% of flows. So FTX, the FTX um, treasury that is trying to source all the capital that they can, they didn't sell any of their GPTC up until now. Now that GPTC is an ETF, not a trust, now they are selling and which will eventually go into the pockets of ftx creditors you want you want to hear a silver lining here david if, if that news got you down bankless listeners yeah. okay the silver lining is this you know how they used to say that litecoin is mm -hmm. a silver to bitcoin's gold uh well it turns sure. out bitcoin that never made any sense to gold sure. yeah bitcoin is silver to gold's gold all right here's what i mean bitcoin <laughs> is now the second largest etf commodity in the u.s just took mm -hmm. that place. There used to be cool. gold number one, right? And this former monetary unit still has, uh, you know, consumption value as, a, as like a, uh, you know, a consumable type of asset, commodity asset. Silver is number two. Now Bitcoin is actually number two. So I'm sorry, wow. silver. Got to get out of the nice. way. 
By a uh, lot too. Bitcoin, the Bitcoin ETFs are coming in at twenty-seven and a half billion dollars across the eleven ETFs that they wait, have. Wait, twenty-seven and a half billion? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, you you take the gray, the grayscale trust, which is twenty billion right now. Uh, well, so it's it started. But it's it started no longer a trust. It's no longer a trust. It's an correct. ETF. Correct. Now it's an ETF. Yeah, with okay. outflows. <laughs> but they had, but they had years of doing that. Is what you're saying? Correct. Right? Exactly. Because, yeah. yeah. They they started. It started from square one at twenty plus billion dollars. Um, silver. So twenty seven and a half billion dollars in BTC trusts. Number two, uh, silver eleven and a half. So we're already almost like two and a half xing uh, silver across five ETFs. Just out of curiosity, what's gold, David? Uh, gold, uh, $95 billion. So Bitcoin I... is a second, very far distant second to gold. But we are so young in the Bitcoin ETF lifespan. That is totally worth within striking distance. Yeah, that's I mean, within gold, striking distance for sure. Gold had since uh, in ETFs since 2004. Yeah, right? it's got a 20-year head start. Yeah, yeah. Plus, not just that. It's got thousands of years in history. <laughs> yeah, as, a, as an asset, yeah. <laughs> as an asset. I mean, how long has gold been? And like, we're already at 27. Like, we're in striking yeah. distance. That's yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. impressive. All right. Well, striking distance, 27, 96. These are different numbers. But I think, yeah, as soon as we can get rid of just this toxic selling of David, grayscale GBTC. David, a 3X for crypto? What's that? That's easy. Yeah, for that's us. a good point. Actually, actually, we don't even need necessarily any more bitcoins to flow into the ETFs. You actually just need Bitcoin to triple. Uh, and so, like, yeah. if we have half of each, you know, yeah, it's easy. <laughs> yeah, gold, gold's done for. Sell your gold, everyone. Sell, sell your gold, <laughs> baby boomers. Sell your gold. Switch to Bitcoin. All right. Um, let's talk about the ETH price, though. You said that was down uh, in the double-digit territory, and uh, thanks mm -hmm. to Kraken. For these glorious uh, charts, by the way, this so we is can really see Pro, how bad ETH is down in high look fidelity and modular charts. Candles. Yeah, look at those red uh, candles. It's 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 kind of <laughs> ugly, but it's beautiful uh, when we, uh -huh. when we view it like this as well. So what are we what are we at right now? Yeah, so ETH are down thirteen percent on the week. Start of the week at twenty five hundred, ending the week at twenty two hundred. Uh, which of course means the ratio down 6%. Ratio touched 0 0.06. Now it's at 0 0.055. Um, sad. Um, did you know this though, David? On January 24th, actually you did know this because you mentioned this. On January 24th, we hit 2000, over 2,700 ETH in the Kraken charts. Can you believe yeah. that? Yeah, 2,700. That was What were you high. doing on, on, the, on the 24th? Because I don't remember that. Usually I like- uh, Oh I, yeah, I was climbing mountains. As soon as I got back from the mountains, we started dumping. Wait, what day is that? Oh, shoot. The 12th? That's 2024. The, I, said, I said January uh, 24th. That's why. It was the 12th. That happened the 12th. Yeah, yeah. So you're climbing yeah, mountains. Yeah. I so climbing I mountains. should have been paying attention. I was climbing mountains when it was going up, and then when I came back, it started going down. <laughs> All right. Weird. Well, there's, there, I have a solution for that, David. <laughs> I, I would, hey, I should go find some no mountains. <laughs> yeah. No more. Like, we'll get, we want an Ethereum ETF, okay? And we want uh, all-time highs uh, back again. So uh, go climb some mountains. Uh, ETH Bitcoin on the ratio, what are you looking at? 0 0.055 and then the total crypto market cap 1.62. Uh, as far as L2 updates, uh, these updates are always brought Wait, to you by Ryan, Mantle. before we get to the, the layer twos, I got a, just got a tweet notification on my phone from yeah. the DB with like the announce, it announces like big news in the crypto space. US files notice to sell $130 million of Bitcoin seized from Silk Road agent. Oh. <laughs> we just got, we just got like the United States government telling how much us they're going to dump much is $130 that? million. Dollars. $130 million? Yeah. I guess we uh -huh. can absorb that. Yeah, we it's just not that much. It's just, like, it's just hilarious. It's like, here's a brand new reason no one saw coming for $130 million more million of Bitcoin sell pressure. They they know they need to like not broadcast their uh, their sells. Their right? sells. Because then they get a lower, lower, lower price. And some trading advice to uh, 
to, to the U.S. government. <laughs> to justice yeah. over there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's not what they're optimizing for. I don't know. Uh, anyway, okay, back to the Layer 2 update. This is uh, brought to you by Mantle, which is a new and up-and-coming Layer 2 that Dave and I enjoy. It's also growing mm-hmm. real fast. Real fast. Uh, speaking of growing real fast, look at our scaling factor on the week. Mm-hmm. So remind us what scaling factor is because it says 6x. So w- what are we talking about uh, with scaling factor of L2s? We're talking about six Ethereums. So we have the Ethereum layer one, and then we have the aggregate transaction volume of all the layer twos on Ethereum. And the aggregate transaction volumes of all layer twos are six Ethereums. Uh, so six X Ethereums. We saw that one big, big spike where we got to like eight or nine or 10 Ethereums. Uh, mm. But that's the one where Ordinals took down Arbitrum and then they updated their client and then everything's fine. Uh, yeah, so yeah, six, yeah. six, when 10, when sustained when 10? 10. Once we hit 10, whatever, like this chart doesn't go down. This isn't a price chart where it goes up, up and it only goes down chart. and it goes up. It's an up only chart. Because scaling is up only. Transactions per second exactly. is up only. Yeah, it's, totally it's up only. And it's like, we're going up like one Ethereum at a time. Like one month is six, the next month is seven, the next month is eight. But sometimes we're going we're gonna to start going like by two a month and then we're going to go by like five a month and then we're going to go by 10 a month. And that's just how it's going to look. Speaking of going up, David, uh, let's talk about some coins that were going up. There's a bunch mm-hmm. here, uh, Bit, BitTensor, Manta Network. But you want to focus on one, which is, uh, yeah. I believe, the UMA uh, token. What did UMA that do? protocol, yeah. So yeah. UMA just completely reprice itself. It went from two dollars to above six dollars, coming back down to where it is at uh, just below five dollars right now. UMA that is uh, universal market access, pretty old protocol, I'd say, like really old protocol, uh, like 2018, 2019. Uh, these are all the, also the same people behind the Across Bridge. So this new Oval protocol, uh, they just just announced it this week. That's why the price pump happened. They announced this thing called OEV. Maybe it was already a thing. Oracle extractable value. So, so when Chainlink has stale data and then they update their price feeds, because that's what they do, uh, whoever can capture the change in liquidations or the change in Uniswap pools or like whatever, uh, somebody gets to have the first uh, opportunity of uh, arbitrage as a result of updating oracles across DeFi. And Uma just announced this oracle uh, value extraction layer, aggregation layer, uh, where instead of uh, just allowing MEV to happen as a re- result of oracles, you can bid for that. Uh, pretty uh, like common design pattern. Uh, and it just re- created like a 2.5x increase in the UMA price. So that is why UMA is uh, the mover of the week this week. Yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? Because it's a new value accrual mechanism for an old token, which is kind, kind of, of a forgotten token. Yeah. Uh huh. No offense, Hart. <laughs> um, all right, David, let's talk about uh, the other thing that's uh, flying high this week, which is the mm-hmm. SP 500, my friend. Did you know oh, that my stocks are at all time highs? And I, I uh, buy a lot look, too. Yeah, let's look at this chart. Look at this chart. Um, this is S&P price. It's just barely off its all-time high, I guess, in the last like couple of days. But I mean, look at this, man. Like, yeah, no, that, it's, it's at its all-time up. highs. It's at all-time highs. And so this is this is like there's a big decoupling going on between the crypto markets, where like we we ran up from you know below a trillion to like almost 1.8 trillion, and now we're down to 1.6 trillion. Never, and everyone's super bearish, and they're like, oh, is the bull market over? Meanwhile, so like Jim Cramer the, says, David, he <laughs> said it's over. He said Bitcoin yeah. is topped. Meanwhile, the, the trad markets are up only. And Bitcoin and crypto at large has been more coupled to trad than, than not as it's grown bigger. Uh, and so I think this is just perfect signal of just like, yeah, we had this like run up in price. We're recovering from the Bitcoin ETF party. We're a little bit like hungover at the pr- present moment. But like overall, markets are definitely healthy as a whole. Like risk yeah. on assets are definitely a thing. We still Those got big- the Fed pivot. 
Bitcoin's down like uh, over 20%, like 25%, something like that. Yeah. Like people yeah, yeah. saying it's over. I mean, like, look, I am no trader and you, you don't get trading advice on, on Bankless, at least not good yeah, advice. Uh, not, that's, like, sure. that's not why you're tuning in, in uh, every week. But like this one is so easy to freaking call, David. This is David. so easy. The, the so answer dumb. to the question is, is it over yet? Have we topped? The answer to that question, let me give it to you. Is no. No, it's no. <laughs> this is so easy. Like this is just yeah. like this is what you see. Um, bull markets will give you opportunities. It, like yeah. they, they will give you shakeouts. Real dumb ones. They will give you times where you know it's going to go down twenty percent, thirty percent, forty percent. Right. You could even see fifty percent, and it definitely right. depends on the asset. Right. But like mm -hmm. what this is 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 sort of a, a a shakeout. If you're still a buyer and net buyer, it's a buying opportunity. That's all I see. Um, I don't know. Look, could be wrong, but like ninety-eight percent certainty, we ain't seen the top. <laughs> that would be, yeah. this would be the dumbest bull market ever, and it would just be contrary to all of the like ways everything has ever played out in crypto. Now, the only thing I'll say is black swan event aside, something crazy sure. could happen. You never know, but like you can't, whatever, you can't price that in. Yeah, for sure. In. Yeah, yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah. What? No, totally. It's just it's going to take some time for the GPTC outflows to cease. So that is like an open wound that is currently bleeding. It'll take two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, I don't know, two months, uh, and then eventually it'll stop. And then yeah. there will continue to be flows into uh, the Bitcoin ETFs, like the BlackRock's, the Fidelity's, the, the Bitwise's. And also there's like the whole concept of a Bitcoin ETF. It, it ages like wine. There's like a there's like a six month period where people are just like looking at it and be like, you know, we're going to we're going to revisit this in six months. We'll just buy in six months. There's like an age like wine kind of thing going on in TradFi. Yeah. And so like I still, it, I still it, think it this... flows into the Bitcoin ETF or nonstop. If you're here, the nice thing about this is um, it gives you some time because now I, I think mainstream is just like they're not interested in the Bitcoin ETF as much right now. Because why? Because mm -hmm. it's not pumping like prices and pumping. Right. So now they have a product they can buy. But you know when they'll want to hit the buy button is when this thing shoots up, right? That's when you get the text. That's when everyone kind of piles in. These markets are so reflexive. Mm -hmm. Can I give you a, a prediction, Ryan? Yeah. What's that? Uh, so markets have memory. We all just watched the Bitcoin ETF happen. Uh, now the ETF approval is like going to be known a known sell the news event. And we have the ETH ETF later this year. There's an update for that later in the show, uh, May or August or something later this year. Uh, it'll get approved probably this year, like, most likely, more likely than not. And then the market is going to be like, oh, it's going to be a sell the news event because of how the Bitcoin was a sell the news event. Except uh, we also have the ETH E trust. It's just meaningfully smaller than the GPTC trust. And so I think the, the, my prediction is more like the market's just going to be kind of confused going into the ETH trust because the, the ETH ETF approval, because they're, they're not going to know. It's not going to know if it's a bullish or bearish event. It'll be more muted going into it, but then post it will be more bullish. Is what I'm saying. Is my prediction, David? You're getting dangerously close to trading talk, my friend. All right, hey, I, it's, it's, these are words, not actions. Oh, <laughs> you're just gonna hold all the way through that. And watch yeah, I'm not gonna charts. do anything about it. It's the way yeah. to do it, man. All right, what do we got coming up next? Coming up next, we're gonna talk about restaking. We got some updates from the Eigenlayer LST caps for deposits. We also got some LRT protocols to talk about and the emergence of LRT Phi with something called Pendle. It gets more and more risky. We further we progress into the conversation, so we're on the frontier of restaking, and also. A bug in Nethermind takes down 10% of Ethereum. Not that big of a deal, but what if it happened to Geth? And then also Tornado Cash developers preparing for trial and they need your help. So we're going to talk about all of this and more. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Kraken. 
If you do not have an account with Kraken, consider clicking the links in the show notes or getting started with Kraken today. Kraken knows crypto. Kraken's been in the crypto game for over a decade, and as one of the largest and most trusted exchanges in the industry, Kraken is on the journey with all of us to see what crypto can be. Human history is a story of progress. It's part of us, hardwired. We're designed to seek change everywhere, to improve, to strive. And if anything can be improved, why not finance? Crypto is a financial system designed with the modern world in mind. Instant permissionless and 24 seven. It's not perfect and nothing ever will be perfect, but crypto is a world changing technology at a time when the world needs it the most. That's the Kraken mission to accelerate the global adoption of cryptocurrency so that you and the rest of the world can achieve financial freedom and inclusion. Head on over to kraken.com slash bankless to see what crypto can be. Not investment advice. Crypto trading involves risk of loss. Cryptocurrency services are provided to US and US territory customers by Payward Ventures Inc. PVI doing business as Kraken. Are you launching a token? Is it already live? How are you managing the legal and tax for providing token awards for your team. Toku simplifies everything about managing token grant compensation, and you can get started with them for free. You'll have access to top-notch legal and tax support to handle the distribution and management of tokens for your team. Toku caters to every step in the process, from user-friendly legal templates for granting tokens to tracking vesting periods and calculating withholding taxes. Toku understands every grant structure, token purchase agreements, restricted token awards, restricted token units, token options, and all the other ones. Toku is already simplifying this today for leading companies like Protocol Labs, DYDX Foundation, Mina Foundation, and many more. You can learn more about how Toku can help you streamline your token management and get started for free. Visit Toku at toku.com bankless or click the link in the description below. David, restaking summer is here. I think this is going to be an absolutely major thing in 2024. We got to talk about the liquid restaking token wars, the LRT wars. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, I'm looking for a base level explanation of what restaking is and why we're so excited about restaking summer. David, we've got a screen pulled up, which is the total amount restaked inside of Eigenlayer. That amount is 815,000 Ether. So that's like $1.5 billion. Can you explain what is going on here? Yeah, explain what is going on and it'll end up leading into why the liquid staking wars are so, so hot right now. 815,000 Ether deposited into Eigenlayer. 330,000 of that is natively restaked. And this just means that people running Ethereum validators have set their withdrawal credentials, as in when they withdraw their deposit from Ether staking, it goes to Eigenlayer first, and then it goes to their wallet. And that is what restaking is. Uh, If Eigenlayer restaking is you stake your ETH, you stake it again, and Eigenlayer has control over additional slashing conditions for Eigenlayer networks that will come online when Eigenlayer mainnet hits in Q1, Q2. 330,000 Ether are just normal Ethereum solo validators uh, that have staked to Eigenlayer. Then there's this thing called liquid restaking, where people are taking staked ETH from Lido, our uh, ETH from Rocket Pool, Stater ETH, you know, all the LSTs, and they're also depositing it into, li- into Eigenlayer. So instead of running your own node, you just take your liquid stake token and you deposit it into Eigenlayer. And that's the remainder of the ETH and how we get up to 815,000. So these are like the, the two concentric circles. You have native restaking, just normal vanilla Ethereum staking, but you set your withdrawal credentials to Eigenlayer, making that restaking. And then next concentric circle out, you have liquid restaking where you just deposit LSTs into Eigenlayer. Are you with me so far? Because we're about to go one more concentric circle out. Oh, there's another circle? There, oh, oh, there's a few there's more There's always circles. another circle. All right, <laughs> there's always all right. another circle. I, I'm with then you we so get far. In, 
then we get into liquid restaking tokens, which is the brand new war that's going on. I'm super stoked on it. I think it's a super cool thing. It is a brand new playing field for dominance over liquid restaking tokens, which are just like liquid staking tokens, just like staked ETH from Lido, just like our ETH from Rocket Pool, but liquid restaked tokens from these new liquid restaking protocols that are coming out. So it's more yield when uh, all these eigenlayer networks that are going to come online, which are called AVSs, actively validated services, like EigenDA or CrossBridge protocols or fast finality layers, additional eigenlayer networks. These are all going to be spitting out yield and that yield will be uh, incorporated into the yield of a liquid restaking token, which will also have the yield of a liquid staking token. So Ether, then staked Ether, then restaked Ether, all of that yield being packaged up into a liquid restaking token, which is the subject of the most recent wars in the Ethereum uh, in the Ethereum space, because people are jostling for dominance, just like how like Lido was jostling with like Rocket Pool and all the other ones. But it's all over again, and so now ap- applications, liquid restaking protocols, are joss- jostling for dominance over the liquid restaking market. Are you with me so far? Yes. So let's talk about some details of the liquid uh, restaking wars. But before we do, mm-hmm. okay, so I think we need to s- take a step backwards because people are hearing mm-hmm. restaking, they're hearing yield. Yeah. Why are people restaking their ETH? So again, what is restaking? You t- take your ETH and then you stake it again. And so mm-hmm. what that means is you are lending out the economic security of your Ether to somebody mm-hmm. in exchange for what? You're getting some type of yield or there's some expectation yes. of yield in the future and there's some additional risk that you sign up Mm -hmm. for too. Is that what's going on? Are people staking their ETH with the expectation, restaking their ETH with the expectation of future stacking yield? Is that why they're doing it? That's like the fundamental reason. That is like why Eigenlayer exists. Yes, you will have more yield as a function of all the fees that are going to be collected from AVSs. Are any AVSs online? No. Is Eigenlayer at mainnet? (laughs) No. So what are people doing? They're farming the Eigenlayer airdrop because Eigenlayer Uh. points are a thing. And so that's what people are doing now. In the future, we will be able to talk about the yields produced from AVSs. But right now, that is a future conversation. Right now, people are just playing the Eigenlayer airdrop farming game. Okay, so there's some some speculation going on. And why are we focusing so much on Eigenlayer? It's, that's because it seems like that's where the center of all of this restaking activity yes. on Ethereum is. Like that is kind of the ground yeah. zero for this. And the, yes. the Eigenlayer network is what? It's, it's like channeling this Ether, this economic security mm-hmm. in order to secure other applications. So it's like right. a, a platform that you can build mm-hmm. applications on top of. And, and you call these right. things AVSs. Uh, are, yes. Am I right so far? That's right. Like think of Eigenlayer as Ethereum security as a service. And for, for networks that are not blockchains, any type of other network, like an Oracle, for example, or anything really. Yep. Uh, so that's a refresher. And, and now help me with this last piece, David. So how does somebody restake? Okay. You mm-hmm. like mentioned all of these things, but like, how do I, as someone who's interested in exploring restaking, how do I actually do it? Are there multiple ways to do it? What are they? There, there are multiple ways to do it. You could go and do native, vanilla native restaking, but that requires running your own node. And so that's why people have opted for liquid restaking, which is just depositing staked Ether from Lido or RETH from Rocket Pool into Eigenlayer. The problem with that, Ryan, is that there are LSC caps in Eigenlayer. They have constrained the amount of deposits into Eigenlayer because they want to start slowly. They don't want this thing to blow up too fast. So they are responsibly slow starting the Eigenlayer protocol by constraining the amount of LST deposits into Eigenlayer eigenlayer, but native restaking has always been uncapped. That's actually the news that went out this week is that they are postponing uh, the raising of the cap by one week 
So the new dates are somewhere between February 5th and 9th. And between those dates, actually all caps will be lifted because they are preparing for mainnet. Uh, and so sometime in the first or second week of February, LST caps will be completely lifted. And then we will be able to resume eigenlayer farming with LSTs. Okay. But the existence of these caps have created incentives for people to find ways to farm the eigenlayer airdrop using protocols that can natively restake. And this accounts for the explosion of TVL in uh, EtherFi. And also Renzo Protocol is one of the other new ones. But the e- EtherFi has this absolute like hockey stick growth uh, where they went were from like $50 million of TVL like just a couple months ago to yeah. over like $350 million of TVL as of now. And the race between them and Swell as uh, number two and number one of TVL and Eigenlayer is like on. Like things are like neck and neck right now. Okay, so so let me try to um, summarize that for you. So mm-hmm. the, the way you restake, I think I heard three different ways that somebody could restake right now. It's mm-hmm. They could restake natively, so that's vanilla. Yep. But in order to do that, you have to have the capability to run an ETH node and some yep. I- additional Eigenlayer validator like functionality, okay? That's yep. one, one way. There's no cap, so anybody can go do that now no if you have those skills and expertise. The second is if you have, you know, you're staked with Lido, you're staked with Aureth, you're staked with Swell, something mm-hmm. like that. You you're could just take, holding staked ETH, for Yeah, you, you could take those tokens and just kind of like restake them, deposit them. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is uh, it's capped, cap. so you can't do that yep. now. Maybe sometime later in February, those caps mm-hmm. will, and you can like slip in before it, where it fills up again, because it's going to fill up again. And then there's mm-hmm. the third way, and that is kind of the new group, like the new category that crypto is creating, and that is restaking with like mm-hmm. a service provider, right? So it's yep. like restaking natively, except you're not running the validators, you're using a service provider. In that category, that's called LRT. So it's liquid restaking tokens, right? They, they do the managed service and you get a liquid token on the other, the other side of that. And mm-hmm. uh, folks like Etherfire kind of, and that's where the, that's where the war exists right now. Is that, is mm-hmm. that all correct? That's that's exactly correct. Uh, th- I think we need to do a whole entire episode. We'll do this, I think, next week, Ryan, uh, where we need to go through like all of the different ways th- ways to build uh, an application, an LRT application, because there's EtherFi who's spinning up their own nodes for vanilla. Uh, native restaking, and that's accounted for a lot of the deposits that are going into EtherFi. There's Swell, which is both an LST and an LRT, who are the number one uh, TVL depositors of the LRTs into Eigenlayer, uh, followed by EtherFi. And then there's Renzo, and then there's Puffer, and then there's like other ones that haven't come online yet, like Rio. There's a bunch of others that I'm not naming because there's so many right now. Uh, And then after that, Ryan, we go one more concentric circle out, and we talk about LRT-Fi. Uh, with things like Pendle and people foregoing their airdrops for a more yield, 30% yield, or people are going for zero yield and like leveraging up on eigenlayer airdrops. There's like this whole blossoming like LRT financialization layer. It gets very, very degenerate. But like this has accounted for a ton of activity in the Ethereum financial space lately. Okay. Bankless promise we will do an entire episode on restaking and what the opportunities mm-hmm. are and how the landscape is. Now, I'll just kind of zoom out for, for a minute and talk about why this is important. This seems very much like DeFi summer 2020. Uh, 2020. Yes. And that's yes. why like we're calling this, others are calling this restaking summer. And I will note that during DeFi summer, a lot of these yields were kind of speculative yields. And uh, remember the point earlier that you made that none of these applications on eigenlayer these things called avs's none of them are live none of them are producing yield so why are people doing this they're they're piling in 
because there's anticipated value being created and anticipated airdrops and tokens that can be received. It's kind of like yield farming, yield hunting. It's DeFi summer 2020. If you weren't there for that, this is what that is. And so what's going to happen is what happened that time. There's going to be a lot of people that pile in, risk too much, because look, smart like these things haven't been like some of them haven't been audited some of them will will go fast and loose and they won't take security seriously like there's real risk if you're playing this restaking game and you don't have to go there if you don't want to you can sit by hold your eth maybe just stake your eth like simple stake you don't have to restake and observe what's going on however if you want to be an active player in this i would just remember that there's a, a lot of risk associated with these things and like maybe only a portion of, of uh, your portfolio, you know, assign it to kind of explore this mm-hmm. ecosystem because there's going to be like fortunes made and fortunes lost. There's going to be lots of shenanigans playing out. What's really exciting though is this is the birth of an entire new sector of crypto. Like that's what's happening now of the same order of magnitude, in my opinion, of DeFi in 2020. And yeah, there's a lot of chaos, but it's like a, you know, a star being born in a nebula cloud, Mm -hmm. right? It's like all of this chaos, these gamma radiation, all of this stuff. (laughs) But at the other side of that, something beautiful is going to to form something Mm life-giving and it's going to propel our industry forward. So don't get caught up too much in the speculation unless you want to play those those speculation uh, games. And then, you know, enjoy the frontier yeah as a as restaking summer continues there's definitely gonna be some blood sacrifices along the way for sure don't let that be you um <laughs> do be the people that collect the restaking airdrops for restaking your ether which one of these is alt layer that was announced this week uh alt layer airdrop season one um was just announced by this brand new roll up as a service provider with eigenlayer restaking networks to as like extra little um, modules on rollups so like think of them like super powered rollups uh and so if you want an easy way Way to deploy your rollups with the perks of eigenlayer restaking networks avs's when they come online this is what i outlayer does they just uh, launched their token is coming in at like a three billion dollar valuation if you are a celestia staker or you are an eigenlayer restaker or a few other uh criteria or conditions uh you have an airdrop to claim uh this was in the uh, airdrop hunter so go check that out yeah you'd know all this if you're a bankless citizen guys it's in the airdrop mm-hmm. hunter you mentioned at the beginning of the show uh david let's talk about the eth client bug that shook up the ethereum network both from a technical and a social level so what happened this week with the uh, the client bug uh, so Nethermind, which is the number two largest client execution layer client on Ethereum, had a bug that took down all Nethermind running nodes, which was about 10% uh, of the network. And so 10% Including of the some network of ours, by the way, David. You know, you and yeah, I are running mm-hmm. some Nethermind, uh, Nethermind uh, clients. I, I, I do know that, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Those went down. <laughs> Uh-huh. And then they went, they went back up. It was a relatively yeah, yeah. simple fix. And so what were the consequences of this? Nothing really, because 10% of the network is, you know, it's it's a big deal if we hit 33%, 10%, we're very, very safe. But this really sparked a conversation about what if it was the larger execution client, Geth, which has 80% of the network. So, you know, there are th- two levels of risk with Ethereum. There's the 33% level, and then there's the 66% level. And then there's Geth, which has 80% of the network. Uh, Coinbase uses this, Binance uses this, uses this, Kraken uses this, most of Lido uses this. Uh, and so our client diversity around the execution client around the Ethereum layer one, not great. Uh, Geth is a very hardened execution uh, client. It's easy to run. It's very stable. That's why people run it. It has just, it's just very stable. Um, and so people, so everyone's running it. The problem is we have this like tragedy of the commons where everyone's running the same execution client. And if this was a bug in Geth, 
while Geth has, is less likely to have a bug, a bug in Geth could be massively catastrophic. And so this has kicked off a conversation in the Ethereum community about, yo, it doesn't matter how stable Geth is, we can't have it at above 66%, and really we need it below 33%. So switch away from Geth. Uh, this has created pressure from uh, the Ethereum community into people like Coinbase and Kraken and Lido, who all, props to all of them, Brian Armstrong comes into DC investors tweet saying, hey, dear Coinbase, I'm unstaking my ETH with you guys because you guys use Geth. Brian Armstrong responds, taking a look. Uh, Kraken comes in and also says, hey, the team is currently exploring this. Internal discussions are happening and we will share updates as we get some decisions in place. Lido has also had some of their validators switch away from Geth. And as a result, uh, the Geth dominance in Ethereum has gone from 82% to 78%, I think is where it is now. So we're down 5%, uh, which is great, but we still have got a long way to go. Uh, we need to get down below 66% um, bigly. Great summary, David. Uh, the only thing I would I would ask you is when you say massively catastrophic, mm -hmm. if that was Geth or that was a kind of right. like a you know supermajority client, what do you mean by massively a catastrophic? Sure. So the network yes. goes down, right? Like there's a oh, there's a liveness it, issue. It, it depends upon the nature of the bug. It yeah. could go. It could be anywhere from trivial to catastrophic. The thing is, because Geth is at eighty percent whatever bug that is becomes Ethereum, where like you could have a catastrophic bug in Nethermind, but Nethermind is only 14%, and so that doesn't become Ethereum. Since uh, Geth is 80%, a catastrophic bug in Geth becomes a catastrophic bug in Ethereum. Uh, and so the worst of this would be like an inflation bug mint in Ether, where Ether goes from like 120 million supply to infinite supply, that breaks the network. We would have to do a socially coordinated rollback. Then there's like other more trivial bugs where like the network just stops finalizing, but it's just totally fine. That would be best case scenario. But the problem is any bug in Geth becomes a bug in Ethereum because it has such a dominance in um, in the network. Got it. A few a few things to note, I guess I would say, is uh, most other networks, not Ethereum networks, including Bitcoin, don't have multiple clients, right? So they have in fact, in fact, all like, on their version it's of Geth. Only Ethereum. <laughs> right. But the other thing I would add is Ethereum's not really getting the benefit of its multiple clients if it's not mm -hmm. actually running those multiple clients, right? And so right. that is kind of the, the call and the social push for client distribution. So maybe the network is, is self healing due to this uh, mm -hmm. close call. Humans have to learn the hard way, don't we? All right. of us. Uh, David, what do we right. have coming up next? Coming up next, we got some updates on the ETH ETF timelines and some layer two updates as well. Why? We're about to see a lot more Arbitrum Orbit chains coming into the fold. All of this and more. But first, I want to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Mantle, one of the fastest growing layer twos that's out there, who also has their own liquid staked ETH protocol, which might become a restaked ETH protocol, hint, hint. Let's go here for Mantle right now. Mantle, formerly known as BitDAO, is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new high-performance Ethereum layer two built using the OP stack, but uses Eigenlayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum layer one. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80%, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of 
the biggest DAO-owned treasuries, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming, and Bybit for TVL and Liquidity and OnRamps. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xmantle. Celo is the mobile-first, EVM-compatible, carbon-negative blockchain built for the real world. And now, something big is happening. Introducing the Celo Layer 2. It's a game-changing proposal that's going to bring Celo's rapidly growing ecosystem home to Ethereum. Vitalik has shared its excitement for the Celo Layer 2 on the Celo forum. So has Ben Jones from Optimism. But why? The Celo Layer 2 will bring huge advantages like a decentralized sequencer, off-chain data availability, and one block finality. What does all that mean? Rock-solid security, a trustless bridge to Ethereum, and more real world use cases for Ethereum without compromise. And real world adoption is happening. Active addresses on Celo have grown over 500% in the last six months. With the Celo Layer 2, gas fees will stay low and you can even pay for gas using ERC20 tokens. But Celo is a community governed protocol. This means that Celo needs you to weigh in and make your voice heard. Join the conversation in the Celo forum. Follow at Celo.org on Twitter and visit Celo.org to shape the future of Ethereum. Before we get into the ETH ETF stuff, I got to talk about the Tornado Cash trials. So the two developers, two of the developers behind Tornado Cash, which was a privacy protocol, smart set of smart contracts deployed on Ethereum, Roman Storm and Alexei Pertsev are bracing for their trials at this moment. This, David, was an impassioned plea from Roman that he put out on Twitter. Uh, let's go hear it. Hi, my name is Roman Storm. I'm a passionate software developer, and four years ago, I helped develop Tornado Cash, an open-source, non-custodial privacy protocol. A few months ago, despite my ongoing cooperation with U.S. authorities, heavily armed FBI agents raided my home at 6 a.m. and arrested me in front of my three-year-old daughter. My legal team and I are going to put forth a strong defense at trial, not just for my family's sake, but for the future software developers and financial privacy. Folks, I need your help. Whether you're a passionate developer like me, involved with Web3, or just care about software and privacy, this legal battle will affect you. So please help contribute to my legal defense, because this case will set major precedent for years to come. Justice DAO has put together a number of options to donate. Will you support this cause? Every contribution counts. Thank you. Arrested in front of his children, David. Uh, yeah. I, I know many people in the Ethereum community who uh, know Roman, and mm -hmm. um, everything I have heard and everything it seems like at this point in time, he's just a typical open source smart contract developer, right? Of course, like there could be some other things revealed in the court cases, so we don't know for sure, but that indeed is what it looks like. And he was arrested for developing and deploying open source cryptography code on chain. So from my perspective, this is kind of like uh, the U.S. government. This is, I believe, FinCEN kind of leading the charge here and, of course, carried out by the U.S. Justice Department. It's kind of like them saying HTTPS is now illegal. You know, you're trying to encrypt communications Okay, well, like you can't do that. Encryption is illegal. It's back to the cryptography wars of the early 90s. And Roman, it appears, is an early casualty. So here he is asking for some help from the crypto uh, community for that case. And I think this case is going to be a landmark case 
in the US yeah. because it's going to, it's not just about Roman and it's not just about tornado cash. It's actually going to set some precedent for how the US court system uh, applies like, like privacy and juxtaposes that with uh, free speech and the right to develop code and the right of everyday ordinary Americans who are using tornado cash just to shield their like transactions. Okay, the same, the same uh, freedom that we have with cash dollars in physical form. Will they have the right to do that moving forward in any form? So that's what this case. Why that's why this case is so important. I think the precedent can become even larger than that. Is not just about achieving financial privacy using crypto. The precedent that this is setting is that smart contracts can be illegal. That that is the precedent that the DOJ and Treasury are trying to prove with this court case. Uh, and so like, it's about privacy, but really ultimately, like if if we lose this court case, it is the precedent is set that smart contracts on Ethereum, credibly neutral protocols, are illegal to touch. Well, to they currently are, David. They currently mm -hmm. are. So it's like, um, this hasn't been contested in court, but if you are a US citizen, reminder, you cannot use Tornado Cash smart contracts. Right. Like if you yeah. do, like, uh, I just wouldn't. Just don't do it, Go all right? It's just like, don't, do don't do that. AMLK, don't do that. Like, yeah, FinCEN has already uh, talked about what the repercussions of that might be. So Roman's trial is going to be in September 2024. Uh, Alexi, his trial is getting started in the next uh, two months. And if you want to get involved, if you want to help, uh, there's a place where you can donate for the legal expenses for Roman and Alexi as well. We'll include a link in the show notes. It's uh, Justice Dow. There's multiple ways to, to donate, including if you want to use Fiat, uh, GoFundMe. Uh, hopefully uh, they, they don't shut that down, David. I'll call this a, a pooly moment, round two. Remember when uh, there was frivolous lawsuits going after the pool together Dow mm -hmm. and all of crypto banded together to help support that legal case? Uh, this is one of those moments. I think the stakes are much higher. Uh, that's why we at Bankless have donated $10,000. Many other people have signaled their support on Twitter about their donations to help fund this case. This is going to be a matter of just like, can we get enough uh, money into the hands of these lawyers who are defending our rights to be able to touch neutral, credible, smart contracts on Ethereum? Uh, and so there's a, a link in the show notes if you would like to donate to uh, this court case. All right, let's talk about the ETFs one more time this episode, David. But this is not the Bitcoin ETF, mm -hmm. the Ethereum ETF, the Ether ETF. It was, uh, there's something was delayed this week, which is yep. the BlackRock Spot Ethereum ETF. I don't know how to parse this. Was this expected? Give, give, give me an update on this. This was super expected. So the SEC has postponed its decision on the BlackRock proposed spot ETF, citing the need for additional time to review the proposed rule changes. Uh, this just the the final deadline was tomorrow, uh, and so they're just delaying it the last possible moment. This is exactly what they did with the Bitcoin spot ETF. The new final decision on the BlackRock spot ETF is now expected for August seventh of this year, which to me represents a very strong backstop for when the ETH ETF could be approved. Uh, there are some other key dates as well. Uh, and so VanEck and ARC21 shares Ether ETFs have final decisions on May 23rd and May 24th. So those are two dates to keep in mind. Uh, Grayscale, Invesco, Fidelity, and Galaxy all have deadlines of June 18th, July 5th, and August 3rd. And then after that, we have the BlackRock on August 7th. Uh, so sometime between May and August. ETH ETF, probably getting approved. Probably, probably. maybe not. Probably. It feels likely. If you want Hester Peirce, Commissioner Hester Peirce's take, someone asked her about the ETH ETF and the SEC's likelihood. She said this, we shouldn't need a court to tell us that our approach is arbitrary and capricious in order for us to get it right. 
So I certainly hope that wouldn't be the case. Uh, a delay was was the question. She says she mm -hmm. certainly hopes a delay wouldn't be the case. Yeah, so I'm with you, David. I think uh, I think we get the Ethereum ETF this year. Yep. Uh, yeah. Let's get into some L2 updates, David. Arbitrum Finally, yeah. Orbit uh -huh. is expanding. Today, we introduced an Arbitrum Orbit expansion program, allowing you to have a self-service path to launch custom Orbit chains, L2s or L3s that settle to Ethereum. What does this mean? This means that Arbitrum is going to be easier to deploy Arbitrum Orbit chains, not just on top of the Arbitrum layer 2, but just anywhere across Ethereum. Uh, and so I, th I think this was pretty hotly needed by the Arbitrum ecosystem, just more our orbit chains. You know, we, we have all these OP stack chains. Now Arbitrum wants all these orbit chains. Two criteria. First, people that deploy an Arbitrum orbit are expected to contribute a portion of their profits back to the Arbitrum ecosystem. So that is 10%. If you want to use Arbitrum orbit technology, you have to give 10% back to the Arbitrum DAO. Second, the deployment of the rollup must be exclusive to Ethereum or any chain that derives its security from from Ethereum. Dang. So Arbitrum is like, yo, free to use uh, our, our, our chain, but, <laughs> but on Ethereum, <laughs> like not anywhere else, which I think is hilarious. Uh, and yeah, and so I think this is going to uh, help bootstrap a lot of Arbitrum Orbit Arbitrum orbit networks uh, across the Ethereum space and nowhere else. It's kind of like they're they're, they're basically um, going after the, like the the optimism play that's been so successful, right? Which is like the, yeah. this is the key here: the self service path. Anybody can launch self service. Chain. Yes. Same, yes. Same, there it, is a difference here. Whereas yeah. the OP stack forking the OP stack and deploying your own OP stack chain, you don't have to give any no license. of fees back to, back to the OP collective. Opt in. If you want to join the optimism super chain the collective, then you have ah, to give 15%. So it's either zero or 15%. Oh, and cool. Arbitrum is like 10% for everything. I mean, L2s are moving and they're moving fast. <laughs> Not to be outdone this this week, Polygon's got some news as well. This is an upcoming feature that they're going to launch as early as uh, February. I, I guess maybe calling it a feature is kind of underselling it. Polygon is introducing what is its own middleware layer across all of its Polygon supernets. So these are all the Polygon chains. And since Polygon is a ZK rollup, every single ZK rollup produces a ZK proof. Uh, what this is, is an aggregation layer across ZK proofs. So every single ZK rollup from Polygon produces one. And then the aggregation layer takes all these ZK proofs and aggregates them into another ZK proof. And this has a bunch of just composability and liquidity and atomic inclusion benefits as well. So it is a big plus one to the world of the recombination of Ethereum layer twos using a ZK proof aggregation layer. Yeah, we actually uh, did recording an episode with Justin Drake about this. It's entitled, it's coming mm -hmm. out in a week or two. It's called Fixing Fragmentation. And he talks mm -hmm. about like the, the promised land that Ethereum can get to, which is something he calls universal synchronous composability. Basically, right it. now, the, the experience of Ethereum is very fractured across all the L2s. Like you got a bridge from one L2 to the other, mm -hmm. you got a switch change in your wallet, all of that. Drake says all of that will be solved and it will yeah. be solved relatively soon. And a polygon is oh, actually- relatively. <laughs> I mean, in the next one to three years, but uh, this is actually accelerating, David, because this is a part of that solution. With this solution, it sounds like from Polygon, uh, there will be universal synchronous composability, not quite to the same degree of a, as a decentralized sequencer, but with some feature limitations across Polygon chains. And that's a start. Right. And other ZK chains can also opt into this as well, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, so this is inter some internal composability for the internal Polygon ecosystem. And then there's the larger battle, which is global composability across different standards, like between Polygon and Arbitrum and Optimism. And that's a harder thing, uh, but we have the tools to get there, according to Justin Drake. 
Avo, they are migrating to Celestia DA. What is this? Avo, which is a derivatives focused layer two built on an OP stack that previously was using Ethereum for data availability, which is very expensive, has now migrated to using Celestia as data for a data availability layer. So Ethereum for asset settlement, but Celestia for DA uh, now becoming modular. Uh, this is the second that we've seen of this. Lyra did this like two weeks ago. I think we're about to see many, many, many more of these because that's just what the incentives uh, played out. We saw Lyra paying 40 Ether a month in fees to Ethereum layer one. And then as soon as they pivoted to Celestia DA, half an ETH. Uh, Avo, I'm sure, is doing the same thing. And then you're going to see you're going to see more of these for sure. So that was the roll up this week. We got to end with this. The meme of the week, David, what are we looking at here? Uh, this is the uh, breaking up with my best friend. I found a new best friend meme format. <laughs> uh, this is uh, net worth is not in the hands of Vitalik anymore. Peter from Geth now controls my net worth. Uh, and this is when you learn that a bug in Geth could wipe out 90% of your network of the net worth of Ethereum uh, if we let that happen, which is why you should switch to a minority client. Uh, Peter, of course, is the core developer uh, Geth, behind yeah. Geth. And, uh, you know, I just want to shout out Peter. Like, he doesn't thanks, get enough thanks, credit. Peter. <laughs> like, seriously, thank you for everything you're doing. I mean, Please what don't is this? 80, 80% of the Ethereum <laughs> network, thanks to this man and others on his team at Geth's Hard uh -huh. Work. And uh, we, we appreciate you. Thank you uh, for keeping our net worth safe. I, I remember. Okay. So there's a, I did an interview with Peter at last DevCon. I think it's one of the few P interviews that Peter's ever done. Uh, yeah, and uh, I asked him a question of just like, um, uh, imagine if like you, I think, was, I can't remember who the other developer was. I think it was like Preston Van Loon from Prismatic. I was like, uh, if you and you and Preston like teamed up because Preston has is Prismatic and Peter's Geth. So we have two like client team chads being able to like, you know, support the Ethereum network is like, if you and Preston teamed up to take down the Ethereum network, uh, <laughs> how, how hard would that be? And you know what his response was? What? <laughs> Why do I need Preston? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Nervous laughter. Does that make you feel good or no? Peter. Peter. Wow, it wasn't Vitalik. It's always been in Peter's hands. It's huh? always been Peter. Keep that man safe. Uh, and like, let's uh, let's thank him again, David, as we end the yeah. show. Thank you, Peter. Please no rug. Well, that's a perfect time to end with uh, risks and disclaimers in a minute. But first, we disclose both David and I are advisors for Eigenlayer. Also, we're investors in some of the L2s mentioned. And Bankless Ventures is an investor in some of the restaking protocols we talked about. As always, you can see a link to all of our disclosures at bankless.com slash disclosures. Crypto is risky. So is staking. So is restaking. So is whatever we think of next. You could lose what you put in. But we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone. But we're glad you're with us on the Bankless journey. Thanks a lot.